You know where we are? Mission Control. Because I love space stuff, and I thought this would be a pretty good way to spend our last episode. And again, more on what we're working on next at the end of this one. Also, 70 shows. Can you believe it? So I'll wax poetic a bit. But, space. The final frontier, yeah? We've all got different perspectives on things, but there are some of us who have been where the rest of us have not, and we may never get to go. So let's talk about it, because I've got questions. Hey again. Thank you again for being here for all this time, or some of this time. But most of you know the drill by now, so right to it, okay? Standing by on the line, our guest. Okay, my name is uh, Chris Hadfield. I'm an astronaut. Uh, I commanded a spaceship on my third space flight, so a lot of people know me as Commander. He's been up three times. He's been around the world 2,600 times, give or take. He's done spacewalks. And I'm curious, because I detected a smile when we were getting started there. Have you ever been able to say, that was my job, you know, without smiling? Or are you just like, man, I have lived the dream? I, yeah, I absolutely. Uh, I mean, it's not like a job that you had for a while. When you've flown in space, that defines who you are. And it's what I dreamed about when I was a nine-year-old kid. It still seems incredible to me, and yet it's a big an important and amazing part of my life. So there's so much we're not going to be able to cover because of time, but but that nine-year-old, I mean, I was the same nine-year-old, right? But I'm bad at math, so here I am, and there you are. Probably wouldn't have worked for me. So what else? What should somebody know about actually getting the gig? Yeah, most people who want to fly in space, they don't pass the medical. So number one is keep your body in shape. You only get one. The second thing is, as you were talking about, Mike, it's really technical to fly spaceships. And so you'll need an advanced technical education. doesn't really matter in what, but you got to prove that you can learn really complicated things. And then the third is you're going to have to do stuff that's really hard where you can't talk to Earth. So you need a proven ability to make good decisions when the consequences matter. And and that'll at least get your name. Name on the list, and and then 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 you got to train for twenty years. Right, twenty years, <laughs> easy peasy. Yeah, I I decided to be an astronaut when I was nine, and just twenty six years later, that's all it's lying on my back, <laughs> lying on my back in space shuttle Atlantis, and the only thing that really worries you that day is that they're not going to let you go. You know, you've been training for so long, you've already decided years ago that this is a risk worth taking. It's not a scary thing at all. You're you're, you're ready for it. But the power of it, Mike, you go from zero to 80 million horsepower in just a few seconds. And it just punishes you, crushes you into your seat, shakes you so you can barely focus. You're faster than the speed of sound in 45 seconds. The atmosphere goes from light blue to dark blue to black. And is there anything that really prepares you for undoing that seatbelt and then starting to float? I mean, come on. There is no way to properly simulate weightlessness on Earth. You know, you can go underwater, and that's sort of like it, you know, because you're sort of bobbing around, but the blood's still rushing to your feet, and it's not the same. And you can ride in the back of a bus that's going over a hilly road or, or ride in the back of an airplane that's going up and down, and you'll float for a few seconds. But to actually be weightless is, it's like instantaneous magic. You can fly. You now have a superpower. You can push off with one finger, and, and effortlessly sail across the room. It is the coolest, most natural, fun thing you can imagine. Since we're on shuttle right now, and we'll get to space station in a minute, but thoughts on the shuttle. I feel like people sort of got used to it, didn't think it was special. 
I mean, how do you look back at it now that they're all in museums? Well, we do that with everything. What's new? What have you done for me lately? You know, when we walked on the moon at Apollo 11, by by Apollo 12, people were like, well, we already walked on that. At least the most complicated human endeavor in history. And people didn't even want to turn the TV on anymore because, you know, a lot of people just want to be entertained. They're not interested in the reality. There's nothing wrong with that. Same with the space shuttle. The space shuttle was the great lifter of humanity to space so far. It launched the Hubble telescope. It helped build the Mir space station. It built the International Space Station. On one flight, we mapped the entire world. It's an old machine now, but just because it's already uh, happened doesn't mean you shouldn't respect the magnificence. All right, now, Station, how does it feel in there, actually? I mean, how big, how small, claustrophobic, yes, no? Space Station is big. Let me think. One, two, three, four, five. It's like six spinny buses sort of joined so you could go through one exit into the next big city bus. And it's only got a crew of six or seven people. You can go half a day on the space station and never see anybody else because you're busy working in whatever, the Japanese laboratory. We used to have races at lunchtime. Down one end, back to the other. You also got to go outside, and I've got to know. i got to know about spacewalks. The the coolest experience, I mean, I've had some pretty interesting experiences in my life. Everything pales in comparison to being outside on a spacewalk with nothing between you and the universe but the, the plastic of your visor and the inflated cloth of the suit around you to see the world and to look the other way the infinite, almost velvety blackness. I stole every moment I could to not just do the work, but to notice where I was. It's at this moment I realized I really should have studied more because, wow. Okay, fun one. On behalf of those who are thinking this or went on the school field trips like I did, Tang and astronaut ice cream, go. We've never had astronaut ice cream in space, and we haven't flown Tang in space since I was five years old because Tang has limited appeal going down. It has a lot less appeal coming back up again. And, and so, and most astronauts get sick when they first get to space. So Chang, that was a good marketing ploy, but um, it wasn't really ever an astronaut beverage. So many people from my elementary class are going to be disappointed. Uh, besides the getting sick part, what else surprised you? Despite all the training, something you weren't ready for? Uh, it, it may sound trite, Mike, but I am still flabbergasted by how boundlessly beautiful our planet is. And, and when you come around it the first time, it's kind of overwhelming. But the 10th time and then the 50th time and the 100th time and the 1,000th time, you really start to get good at looking at the world. You, it's as if the world is starting to reveal itself more and more to you. It is just so um, generously, endlessly beautiful in color and texture and changing of the seasons. Yeah, I want to spend some time on this because this is sort of why I called, right? That perspective you all get that we do not. And it's really hard for those of us down here to even kind of wrap our heads around it. Well, more people are getting that chance now, which is uh, the great fruit of all those decades of labor so far that the cost, it's still expensive, but it's far cheaper than it used to be. But it's sort of if I asked you, Mike, hey, describe a sunset for me. I mean, you could do your best. I was on the ship for half a year. So we went from one side of the sun to the other, and winter and summer swapped ends on the world. It was like watching the world take a breath. So to see all that, 
Yeah. If that doesn't change you, then you're a stone. And is that sort of where we get this idea that, and look, this has been said before, that if more of us could see this, then things would be different. They'd be better. You can choose your phrase. We are incredibly tribal and jealous and selfish by nature. You've got to be jealous and protective about what's yours because there's limited resources. So to be able to rise above that, to not just be warring primitives, uh, it's our nature, but it's not the entirety of our nature. And if people can just rise above their petty local jealousies and notice that we are all breathing out of one bubble of air, like if it was a scuba tank, we're all buddy breathing. The commonality of the human experience is almost completely shared, whether you live in Zimbabwe or Ukraine or Toledo, the actual nature of what it's like to be born and live and hope and raise kids and dream and, and eventually die. It's completely shared. And it's great that we now have the opportunity to perhaps see ourselves a little more realistically and accurately. And I hope as many people as possible get to see the reality, not just of space, but the reality of our Earth. What do you say? One more launch on the way out. Chris Hatfield, he writes books now. Apollo Murders is one. The Defector is on the way. We thank him, and I thank you again for being here for so long. I feel like we learned a lot. So many different things and had fun, which was the whole point. Couldn't have done it without all the emails, so thanks for those. And, you know, for you actually listening. Next show is in the fall. We are calling it, Do You Work Here? And I'm heading out to learn what we are all doing. I want to go to the zoo the auction house. I want to put on a beekeeper suit. I want to whip around a racetrack and I want to take you with me. Stay subscribed. We'll drop more into this feed. The email address is still up. Also, I've got questions at odyssey.com. A-U-D-A-C-Y. If you want news, KNX News. I'm there weekday mornings out of LA. We'll see you.